You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I know you may feel like we're living in a virtual Game of Thrones right now, but I promise you there are solutions. There's a lot going on in the world But today's guest, we're going to really dive in and talk about some of the dynamics of what's happening and also some of the things that we can start to do about it and help usher in change. Now, I just went for a walk with my youngest son the other day. He's just nine years old. His name is Brayden. So we're going for a walk and he says the most profound thing to me. He says that your body tells you if you like someone. Your brain doesn't tell you. You can't tell your brain to like someone. Your body tells you. And he's being in this state. You know, when we're children, we know these things inherently. We are really tuned in to what feels right. We can consciously try to tell ourselves that something is acceptable, that something is okay, but we know it. We know it in our bodies. Unfortunately, today, we're so inundated with distraction. We're so inundated with things that pull our attention away from how we really feel. And we can logically kind of talk ourselves into believing things that simply aren't true. And today's conversation, I'm hoping to help to guide us back inward, to ask questions, to be more inquisitive, to pay attention to how we're feeling and allow that to guide us to more healthful decisions moving forward. Now, obviously a big part of being able to pay attention to that inner dialogue is just feeling good, is feeling healthy. And there are so many wonderful things we have access to today. And there's also a lot of things that can throw off that communication. There's a lot of Garbage food that creates garbage communication for the cells in our bodies. And so for myself, I want to stack conditions in my favor. So things that are doing multiple things. So things that might be helping with digestion and helping with cognitive performance. Things that might be reducing inflammation and helping with energy. And one of those things that really hits on the note of immune system benefits, of reducing inflammation, of energy, of also enhancing and improving digestion Funny enough, again, it's been used for thousands of years, is honey. But not just any honey, not that random sugar bear, pasteurized, homogenized, insecticide sprayed honey. We're talking about the good stuff, raw, high quality honey. As a matter of fact, the most incredible honey that I've ever had in my life, it's a superfood honey called Bee Powered Superfood Honey. This is a honey that also has bee pollen, propolis, royal jelly, all combined together with the honey. All right, this is that next level honey. Shout out to Mariah Carey. Now here's why this matters. A study published in Evidence-Based Complementary and Alternative Medicine found that raw honey possesses nootropic benefits. So really helping our cognitive performance specifically memory enhancing effects, also working as an anti-convulsant and antidepressant as well. It's been noted to have these qualities too. Also honey polyphenols. So the antioxidant polyphenols found specifically in honey have been found to have apoptosis supporting activities for rogue brain cells or for helping brain cells that need to be ushered out of the way while supporting and reducing neuroinflammation, all right? So helping with that recycling process going on with brain cells and reducing 
inflammation specifically in the brain. It's pretty freaking amazing. Honey has that kind of power. So that's one thing. I love the bee-powered superfood honey from Beekeepers Naturals. And also right now, one of my favorite vibes that I have after I'm done recording, especially after I'm doing hours of recording for different things, different interviews, and things like that, I pop in one of the bee-soothed honey lozenges. All right, these lozenges have this superfood honey that we just talked about, plus propolis, zinc, and vitamin D3. And if you listen recently to the D3 Masterclass, the vitamin D Masterclass that we just did at the Model Health Show, you know how important these things are for our immune system. So getting rid of the lozenges that have all this kind of crazy ingredients and sugar and all that stuff, all natural ingredients, all designed to enhance immune system function. Now the key is the Beekeepers Naturals honey products, they go above and beyond. They're actually doing third-party testing for over 70 common pesticide residues that are found in a lot of bee products. Also testing for some of the most offensive contaminants like DDT, arsenic, lead, heavy metals, and making sure that none of that stuff is coming along with the goodies that you're trying to get. So highly, highly recommend pop over there, grab yourself some superfood honey, and definitely check out the new Bee Soothed Honey Lozenges, one of my favorite vibes right now. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. You get 15% off everything. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals.com forward slash model for 15% off. And now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Thank You by Head Pasta. I love learning from you. This podcast is real-world, amazing new information that is provided in an excellent format of excitement for health and wellness. You make us laugh and want to keep learning more. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for leaving me that review over on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate it so much. And if you yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the Model Health Show. It means so much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Today's guest is Abel James, and he's a New York Times bestselling author, musician, online coach and creator, and host of the award-winning Fat Burning Man Show. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the negativity bias of the human brain and why that matters right now and paying attention to that. Also, we're going to talk about the need to keep our eyes on the financial ramifications of the past year, specific things that we can do right now to improve our health in creative ways, and so much more. So let's jump into this conversation with my good friend, Abel James. Abel James, my brother, the legend, welcome back to the show. It's an honor to be here, Sean. Thanks for having me, man. First question right out of the gate, what is the number one health issue that you feel we're actually facing right now? I thought things were getting better. You know, we both started our, our health online thing around a decade ago, right? And for a minute there, it felt like things were really getting better. And now you look around, you look at the numbers and it's grim. Even, you know, I was reading uh, 43% of people over the last year have gained something around 30 pounds on average, which is talk about things getting worse, going in the wrong direction. Yet it's barely part of the conversation. The obesity and associated metabolic dysfunction and disease is one of the, the biggest widespread issues in the States and, and now across the world. But it's just little little peeps here and there. Thankfully, we have people like you really driving that conversation, man. Yeah, you said it. We've been in this space 
for quite some time and really creating a shift in the conversation. And now there's this new phenomenon coming about and people are calling it, you know, COVID-19 pounds that folks are picking up and all these little catchy things. But this is serious business. And one of the biggest underlying issues and susceptibility is our underlying health issues. So what do you feel needs to get a little bit more attention right now to help to really make a shift? Because I think you feel the same way. This is also, even though it's insanity, it's also presenting an opportunity. Yeah, it is. And fortunately, the actual answers and how they show up in your life in terms of results are pretty simple and straightforward. So if you're willing to do the work, which I know you you are, and sometimes we follow the wrong rules or the wrong dogma for a while. You follow it hard enough and you get broken, you get sick. So now, you know, hopefully people can find what I encourage people to do instead of following, you know, social media accounts and and news websites, follow people. Follow people who do deep dives into the work and they will oftentimes, I've found, I know you have as well, share many, many daily practices, share many principles like hydration, proper sleep, the boring ones, the boring ones that people want to skip over because they're so easy, they could never possibly work. But if you do those things, if you move every day, you hydrate, you sleep, and you keep your nutrition in check, then you're generally speaking, you're going to be doing really well. But one thing that I'm I'm happy to see happening is, is more focus on bio-individuality and personalized medicine, looking at people individually in their circumstances and then paying attention to their nutrition and then paying attention to their movement, you know, and dialing a little deeper because general advice and these simple principles do work, but the minutia is where people get all hung up. And, and there's a lot there, but try to just focus on the simple daily practices and you're going to be doing the work and, and getting the results over time. You just said something so powerful and I love this already. You said that these things are not sexy. And mm-hmm. that's the, the thing is, sleep is not as sexy as shots. You know, it's just, right. it just isn't. But right. the data we've got, mountains, mountains of data, literally hundreds of peer-reviewed studies about the effect that sleep has on regulating our immune system. One of them was conducted by researchers at the Mayo Clinic, and they found that just one night of sleep deprivation radically increases your risk of contracting a virus if you're exposed to one, right? Yeah. So it increases your susceptibility but yet, if we had that level of marketing, I opened up my, my social media account to Instagram the other day, and it was this big ad right at the top to find out where to get your shot. And this isn't a conversation about that piece of it, but just mm-hmm. the, the initiative behind it. I've never seen so much of a push for something, yeah. a social push, yet the things that are really sustainable and that, have, that are proven, because this is a conversation too that we can get into about that, that We don't really know the outcome from that, but we do know the outcome from encouraging folks to get better sleep and giving them strategies to do it. Yeah, but then it's a matter of doing that work. Not once, not once. So I I used to, in college, I taught uh, guitar for, for a few years. And it was super interesting because the adults would come in, they'd pay me money, and then they'd be like, why am I not getting better? You know, like every week they'd pay me 50 bucks or whatever it was. They'd come in and they're like, why am I not getting better? The kids, though, the ones with the little bowl cuts, even if they're five years old, they'd come in. They'd get better every single week because they picked up the guitar every day. They didn't have some sort of transactional feeling about health or about medicine or about music where it was like I pay money and I get results. No, little kids know that you have to do the work. You have to actually show up viscerally every day and do these things. And that's what really matters. And then 
the the more fancy schmancy stuff and all the gadgets those are really they become super optional when you right. do the small things right or the small things over time that really add up that that only feel small because you do them every day like i forget people ask me my w- morning routine on podcasts all the time right like that's one of the the hot questions and i forget because these things have become so automatic that like drinking a big old glass of water when i wake up it's just something I do. I don't even think about it. And that's where you want to be in terms of health. You don't want to be overthinking these things and going to news websites and being like, oh, my God, this article just changed my entire view of health. Like you don't want to be there every day. You want to be doing the right things that our grandparents were doing, too. Right. That's the thing, too, man. Thank you so much for saying that, because right now we're really inundated isn't even a strong enough word for all the data nah. that we're exposed to. And it's a lot of it is trying to kind of flare up and make things that are not necessary very sexy. And these things are cool. There's so many great advancements in technology and this term biohacking, but that's like the 5%, like the 95% is where the real change happens. And so we want, I want to talk about the next upcoming stuff, but we don't even have this piece handled. We don't even have just go to sleep handled yet, you know, or just, you know, (laughs) Just don't don't go to that drive through. So we're still working on that. But, you know, there's been this shift that's taken place recently that, you know, even prior to all of this stuff happening, I had this kind of in the same thing with you. We're recommending folks like let's back away from the from the fast food, the drive through window. You know, they're not serving up appropriate food. But then I saw the data about 84 million Americans get fast food every day. And I was definitely in that number every every day. day. And so I'm like, am I fighting a a losing battle here? Whereas what can we do to maybe change the ingredients that they carry there? What can we do to make it, since people are going there anyways, make that better, make it a better option. But now since these shutdowns and the crazy thing, and I want to hear your opinion, opinion on this, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of small businesses had to shut their doors and hundreds of thousands potentially right now have got data that they might not ever reopen. But yet McDonald's got to stay open. Yeah. You, under, you understand what I'm saying? So can you oh, talk yeah. about that paradigm? Because for me, it's just like very shocking to see something like that manifest. Yeah, I remember driving, um, you know, in kind of the middle, in, in the midst of this whole pandemic thing from Colorado down to Arizona to visit my wife's family and went through New Mexico and a few other states, you know, there and back. And I noticed that all of the local international restaurants, the mom and pops, the Mexican restaurants, the ones that like featured their local cuisine in general, all forced to close, you know, like all the stools are up, just, you know, like, and a lot of them had snarky little messages on the outside. Like we were forced to shut down. We didn't want to do this, like to talk to your governor, all this stuff. But driving by Taco Bell, McDonald's, something I, I didn't realize had happened where all of that traffic, all that food that would have gone to the, or, or all that business that would have gone to the mom and pops instead went to 10 plus cars, you know, a dozen cars easy, maybe two dozen cars lined up at Taco Bell, at McDonald's, at Burger King. And I'm just looking around this whole drive, seeing that over and over and over again. And it's hard not to get bummed out about that, right? And and I think one of the things that that keeps me going is that as hard as it is to, to run a small business, and we've tried many projects over the years and, and lost our pants many times, is that oftentimes they, they weren't working, they weren't that profitable to begin with, right? And, and even if it was a great 
business and you were doing a good service to the world and, and, and your local community, there's a way to do it again. You know, with, with bands, <laughs> there's a lifespan. And I see like most of our businesses as, as like running a band because I just, I've always loved the small and nimble type thing, but there's always a lifespan. It's not a forever thing. And if there's a way for you to come back with a more nimble business, with something that, you know, cut out the fat, so to speak, where you, uh, you really focus on, okay, what are, you take a step back. What is the world that we're looking at now? It has changed. People have changed. They've gotten sicker even. They've gotten more vulnerable to any disease that's coming. They've gotten more overweight and they're eating worse too. So there are uh, a lot of people ricocheting back from that who realize that they're in a bad spot and they don't want to be there. It's not sustainable. They thought this was going to be a temporary thing like many of us did just two weeks, right? Like, <laughs> And now – we're realizing that we have to actually adapt and make some serious changes. So for anyone who's out there who has an idea about business, it's I think it is about to be one of the best times to start something that people really need. You just need to be strategic about it and, and be really careful with your cash going out. Try to do it small and with passion and with sweat equity, and that'll get you through almost anything. Yeah, I love that again, the reframing of the opportunity right now. But you also bringing up something that I'm so grateful to talk to you about because you know something about this dynamic, but I don't think a lot of people are paying much attention to what's happening with our financial systems yeah. right now. Yeah, And the fact that the, the, the government is literally just able to just print money, like there's not gonna be any kind of ramifications and also being able to use that money in unethical ways. So can right. you talk about any insights that you have regarding that side of things that a lot of folks, we're just, most folks are just trying to be able to just go outside and go to the park yeah. or, you know, yeah. see their grandmother. But there's a whole thing going on with our financial systems that we need to talk about. Whew. Yeah. It would be really nice uh, to have your own money printing machine <laughs> like some people do. But one thing I realized in this whole, you know, past year especially is that we do not, the little people like us do not have our own money printing machines, but pretty much every other currency at some level does. Pretty much every other fiat currency. And so if you're trying to work for and save in dollars, even from a business perspective, it's about to get really hairy. You know, pff, roughly half the money out there has been printed in the past year. I, the numbers are so ridiculous. Who knows how transparent they are? But the people who are managing all of this can't even count to a trillion. Like they don't know what they're even doing. It's so ridiculous and over the edge that, uh, you know, the chickens will come home to roost at some point. And this is not the first time a, a financial breakdown has happened. I would encourage a lot of people to just to go out there and look at the books of the the history of the Fed, the financial system, and and you'll realize that the dollar, while it used to be based on something real, uh, depending on how you feel about mining and metals, that doesn't even matter. Some things have inherent value, and other things don't. And the dollar or other currencies that are that are printed in fiat are becoming increasingly worthless. So that is going to be, you know, a lot of people realize who have had relationship distress that money does affect our health. It does affect our relationships. And if you're putting all of your eggs in the wrong basket, that's that's going to be trouble for a lot of people. So once again, staying small and nimble and then trying to diversify 
cash flow in your own life from different things, trying to find ways where you can offer your service to other people and they can provide value to you back and forth. It doesn't have to be overly taxed or overly bureaucratic. I think if a lot of people, especially for us, you know, living in a small community in rural Colorado, it's not the government that's saving us out here. They're just taking half of everything or they own half of it. You know, it's like and then printing our savings into oblivion. So this will become a huge health problem to the people who don't have their eyes on on, on that part of their life. And I think it's so important. And I know, Sean, you you speak about this as well to view your whole life as your health, you know, to view health holistically. You can't just say, all right, I'm just going to ignore finances and the rest of my health will be fine. Like that eventually will not work out for you. So you have to talk about your financial health as well. And as rough as it is, I do believe that there are a lot of different opportunities popping up and more just excited people reaching out. Like I've had so many people just like a half dozen in the past couple of weeks. And this does not usually happen. We're just like, Abel, I want to like join your team. I want to work with you. I'll do it for free. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? This is amazing. (laughs) We don't usually do this, but yeah, let's find a way to to build our way out of this. I think this is how we're going to save each other and ourselves is by, by honoring each other's strengths, working collaboratively and then building our way out of this from the bottom up, not the top down. Yeah. And humans are good at that. But yeah, the crazy thing is we we've been put into this situation where we're being forced to because we've gotten away from it. You know, our education system is really designed to make us good employees, you know. Yeah. So that thought process, like, you know, when I got started in this field, it was still very sketchy of whether or not I'm being, quote, entrepreneur. I'm doing my own thing. I'm creating my own thing. I didn't even see it as creating a business, but just like, I just yeah. want to help people. I want to help yeah. people. Right. And I was... I was, quote, talking to this girl, dating this girl. And this was before, like a whole lifetime before I met my wife. No disrespect, baby, if you're listening to this. Way before. And I had made this shift because when I, when I met her, I had this job, you know, this just, just over broke, working at a stadium while I was in college. And once I started focusing on health and wellness and got so excited about that and wanted to tell everybody, help everybody that I could, and I was like, you know, I'm going to be be a strength and conditioning coach. I'm working on that now. And so when I told her that that's what I'm doing, because she was like, oh, how's your job going at the stadium? I'm like, I don't do that anymore. I'm working with people in the gym. She was like, so, oh, so you have a hobby, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, no. But, you know, that didn't last very long, by the way. Maybe yeah. our, our, our talking ended uh, about a week from there. But anyways, <laughs> this paradigm has really shifted where a lot of folks are now able to tune in to what they're passionate about. And to yeah. create something, even create a livelihood out of, even through our phone, able like right here, people are creating Dude. wealth and creating sustainable livelihoods, taking care of their finances, their family, right through this phone. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, really hard and technical to start up websites, blogs, podcasts, videos, certainly uh, just a few years ago. Now, I hope people realize that anyone really can do it back then anyone kind of could do it if you had the computers and the technical you know if you wanted to slam your head against the computer for hours every day trying to make this crap work you could do it but now everyone can whether you're a kid if you're in your 80s you can spread the word about things you care about and yeah 
there is shadow banning and censorship and and the conversation is is silenced or inflated on other sides and inflammatory with paid trolls all over the place so watch out for all of that but through it all there are real people on the other end and there are communities to find and alternative platforms coming up and one of the things i think that's really uh going to be affecting the internet and the conversations in the next few years, maybe even the next few months, is the decentralization of the internet and data and the way that media is going to be transmitted and consumed such that if it's decentralized and it's running on a blockchain or, or has cryptocurrency tokens baked in, it's just going to win compared to the totally dystopian, censored, dry, deflated, joyless social media networks that exist right now. It's just they took the fun out of it. So I think there's going to be a lot of fun coming. We just have to look for it. Mm, man, that's powerful. That's powerful. You know, I think that, and I don't want this to, to, to miss this piece. Earlier when you're talking about the change happening in our financial systems, it reminded me, I just watched this movie after, and it's kind of pretty old at this point, but it's with Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, The Big Short. Yeah. Have you good seen one. that? Right. Good so one. it's a great movie and it's, a lot of true events that came into making this. And at the end of it, those folks who were in power got away from, got away. You know, yep. they, they got, they got away again. with duping the entire American economy, essentially. And the point that I want to bring up and ask you about is that these are the same people making the decisions right now. <laughs> right. And so, folks, we can literally make a, a movie about it. We watch, oh, this is a great movie. You know, no, that's life. That's yeah, what's happening right now. Happening. And it's happening again and again and again. And these are the same folks that a lot of people are outsourcing as far as paying attention to what the media is saying, as far yeah. as, you know, the mandates and policies being pressed through with our government, for example. You know, that's what's really controlling this. And so my point is, are you surprised to see how many people that seem to be very rational free thinking individuals are really just jumping wholeheartedly buying into the popular narrative that's happening right now. Yes. But some of my background is in psychology and studying the brain. And <laughs> one of the things you learn is that we're running on autopilot. 95% of the stuff that's happening with you is happening without you realizing it. And when you're in a state of fear, especially a perpetual state of fear, you cannot think rationally in the same way that you can you're in a, when you're in a different brain state. You, your physiology is different. You cannot process emotions and data the same way that you can when you're not in that fear state. So anyway, we have been conditioned to be in a fear state for over a year now from all sorts of different directions. And, you know, there's there are a few different uh, articles I've read about how if you look across the different countries over the past year with the pandemic and all this, it's been about 50-50 good news, bad news. In America, though, the media environment puts out 90% bad news. Right. So when you are being conditioned, it's like we don't, we don't realize that those little ads that are following us around the internet, like buy this mask or buy this hat or you know, the billboard that you're driving down the highway and just catches the corner of your eyes, like buy a Big Mac, it's red. And, or, or you're not a man if you don't buy this jewel for your wife, you know, just like these things affect us. And they, they are something that we wouldn't have had to have our shields up against, historically speaking, as humans. So knowing that we're in this environment, be very careful with your media diet, with what you're exposed to. 
if you're in that state of fear, you're going to be conditioned and almost hypnotized into a different state. And what I'm seeing is essentially hypnosis. It's like a mild hypnosis among the population such that you have these bubbles of people who are living in a completely different reality than other people. And if your reality is being dictated from the top down, that's a very dangerous place to be. It's a very dangerous place to make decisions from. So do what you can to de detach. One of the reasons we live in the middle of nowhere is because we can. We can just go out there and you see how little a lot of the stuff that seems like it matters on the Internet. You see how little it actually matters when you might get eaten by a lion or like you'll die if you stay out all night because it gets cold up here in the mountains. You know, like that stuff is real. Yeah. The the Internet isn't real. A lot of the fear, a lot of the messaging, it's just virtual still. And if you turn it off, you'd, you'd be amazed by by the mental space that you get back. It's so worth it. Even just a few minutes a day don't go on anything. Turn it all off. Go away. Go on a walk. Not with your phone. Go on a walk by yourself, you know, with someone you care about, with your dog. Have an actual human moment. But then you d you just have yourself, Abel. I don't, yeah, it's tough, that's, right? That's scary. It's scary. It that's is. scary. So, you know, this is probably the best advice that is coming from this episode right now is what you just shared. It's the most powerful, most transformative. You said something I, like I had to stop and just take a breath. The internet is not real. That's deep, man, because it's like a portal. Like you're going into this and you're detaching yes. yourself from reality once you go into it. And it's yes. so seductive, so sticky. It's already manipulated so many different parts of our brain that, you know, when a lot of folks, when they step away from it, they get those withdrawals. Yeah, You know, it's like, I gotta, let me just check. We call it the just checks. Let me just check yeah. really quickly. And, <laughs> and having, having this time just to like, actually allow your, your, you to think your own thoughts, your own yeah. original thoughts, not regurgitated. I wouldn't even call it thinking, but it's kind of a, a regurgitation talking of talking points of data yep. versus real original thought. We have to step away from that stuff. And so this is leading into something that I didn't know I was going to talk about with you, but I'm so glad that this got sparked. But the other day, I, I shared a really great expose on the CNN technical director uh, basically getting hot, caught on that hot mic talking about how yep. they use fear to manipulate people and to really buy into their narrative. And so he's a technical director, one step below the director of the entire channel at CNN. But I want to make clear, of course, all news channels do this. And you just yes. said it specifically here in the United States, other people from other countries are shocked to see the amount of like negative, death, dying, be afraid. Yeah. It's like 90% of the, of the data. And he actually shared this, that they purposefully, after an onslaught of just say 50 minutes of negative, negativity, they'll add in a feel good story. And he mm -hmm. said it, and we'll play the clip for everybody. He said that it's basically like giving you that little bit of ice cream right, to deal with the pain that we're gonna keep delivering. So you have yeah. this sense that this pain is gonna end, this fear is gonna end at some point, but it's not, because we're gonna hit you with it again. And so they, yep. they, they are very specific in this. And the fact that he shared this, Abel, you same, same thing with you, man. From the very beginning, if you have any level of experience in what real health is, you could see this stuff coming from a mile away. Yeah. I was at my neighbor's house because I, I don't watch the news. 
I, I went to my neighbor's house when all of this kicked off and I walked by their television and I didn't think anything of it. It was on CNN and there's like this ticker going, but I thought it was like stocks. And then like my sense, like I focused in on a little bit and it was de a death toll right. ticker and the numbers yeah. just going up. And he talks about, and I immediately, as soon as I saw that, I felt, I just felt this sense of like, this is just dirty. This is wrong. This is, this is terrible. We've relegated yes. human lives into this ticker. And so in this clip, he talks about how they purposefully put that ticker up there to keep driving that fear and manipulation. So I'm gonna play that for everybody right here. Gangbusters are raiders, right? Which is why we constantly have a death toll on the side, which I have a major problem with that we're tallying how many people die every day. Because I've even looked at it and be like, look at it and be like, let's make it higher. Like, why isn't it high enough, you know, today? Like, it would make our point better if it was higher. And I'm like, what am I rallying for? That's a problem yeah. that we're doing that. Why don't you guys at CNN show the recovery rates on the death tolls, at least? The recovery rates? Oh, um, who's had it and then... Recovered. Recovered. Um, because that's not scary. That's, uh, that, I, I would imagine that's why they don't do it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I figured. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. I like that. Uh -huh. I think um, no, no one ever says those things out loud, but it's obvious based on like the amount of stories that we do. Like the fact that we have a segment called the good stuff, which is a feel good thing, but it's dedicated moment at the end to like almost like be the ice cream to alleviate you know like everything that you've been through like you know like something sweet to end it with um because everything else is like doom. and the only people that we let on the air for the most part are people that have a proven track record of taking the bait i think there's like an art to manipulation i think a lot of i think some people have figured it out inherently but like in the, with the media or just like in media general and in just <laughs> conversations so abel with this being the case the the truth about the narrative is being said directly from the mouths of the people doing it yeah do you still think that folks are going to be apprehensive to actually believing that this is happening <laughs> uh I try not to believe hypocrites and flip-floppers, generally speaking. And so when people are just going back and forth and saying the opposite things, it's like, well, are they lying? Are they confused? Whatever it is, I'm too confused to follow them anymore and listen to what they're saying. And when, <laughs> when you're listening to health advice from people who obviously do not practice health, you know, health is, is a weird word and the semantics and connotations behind it are being abused, you know, and I would rather follow preventative health, stay away from as many pills and jabs and whatever else that's kind of exogenous to your body and unprecedented in some cases to your body. Um, stay away from that and, and just honor nature, honor eating whole foods, trying to keep it simple and also, you know, not being completely afraid of anything modern or cutting edge. That's definitely not 
the answer, although I would argue from a food direction, it might be uh, from a nutrient direction, obviously vitamin D, zinc, uh, magnesium. There's so many different nutrients that are really important. You can get some from food, but obviously supplementation can be really helpful as well. So I think if you're willing to <laughs> I encourage people actually just to go back and read books, like go back and read <laughs> books for the simple yeah. stuff. Like your book, Eat Smarter. Perfect. Um, there, there are so many examples of just you. Sometimes you only need one, maybe three books to get a good handle of what are the main principles that I need to follow? What should I do as a daily practice? And then all the fancy stuff and all of the newfangled fear mongering it, it can be readily ignored when, you know, I, I just it's hard to have. They have zero credibility, a lot of these people. Like if Michael Jordan had lied to me that many times when I was a kid, he wouldn't have been my hero, right? Like if if these people lock you in your room for a month straight and don't give you any food or water and basically say you're punished for being bad <laughs> and then like they open the door up, you're not going to be the same kid afterwards. And that's kind of how I feel the, the government, the top down structures have treated almost all of us at a worldwide scale. They're saying you have done something bad. You are punished. You are dirty, little disease spreading humans. And that is not a healthy way to view ourselves or why we're here at our best. When we get out of our own way and, and honor nature, feed our bodies feed our minds and our spirits on a daily basis, then we're so much more powerful than all this lazy, disgusting messaging that's coming. But what works is putting you into a state of fear and confusion. This is a psychological and hip hypnosis uh, process, basically, that's, that's pretty well known. You put them into the state of fear and then just through repetition, you are conditioned to accept this new reality that did not come from you, but you will repeat its talking points and defend it. And <laughs> I don't know where this came from, but I heard uh, 1984 and all these dystopian novels were not meant to be instruction manuals. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> that is where we are. We are totally there. It's, it's totally beyond satire. It's being used in a lazy way, totally lazy way to destroy our culture is what it seems like to destroy our humanity in, in one way or another that doesn't need to be a conspiracy theory when you see it all around you it's it's playing out so protect yourself by doing the small little things in your own life that makes it seem like that stuff doesn't matter because when you're when you have your health and you have your happiness it doesn't matter you can have your shields up to it in, in a lot of cases i love this so much you said something so cool which is to read books these seemingly ancient relics. I remember time, of course, growing up, like going to the library or when the bookmobile came. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Can you like, there's just the feeling. But today again, we're so obsessed with ideas being present. Not, but the thing is, it's not the fact of the data. Like for example, the book, there's a natural tendency to process the data. Yes, instead, and focus in on it. Exactly, instead of us not being able to actually sit with an idea, to think about it constructively. We're just going and grazing, grabbing pieces, grabbing a headline and running with it. And that's what's happening with a lot of folks. So in that same vein with the media and read a book about the media rather than watching it, which there's a great one called Hate Inc. Where it's looking yeah. at how things are structurally designed. And this is coming from somebody inside of the, the sphere, how structurally designed to make people hate each other. And how right. it's become so polarizing. And actually in that clip that I shared earlier from uh, the, the individual, the technical director at CNN, 
There's another part of that interview where he talks about, and he says this very blatantly, he's like, major news networks, we can't be unbiased anymore. We're not unbiased anymore. Where you're actually gonna find real media, real news, without all of this negative slant and bias is grassroots, is through podcasts, is through, and he literally mm -hmm. says these things. And the crazy thing is, again, we've been in this game for a minute, and we started with the premise of wanting to serve and inspire, help people, educate people. We've both had the top health podcasts in the country many times. And now when this happens, all of a sudden, what you're saying on the podcast is controversial. Mm -hmm. These mother on the media are telling us the truth. You know, it's just yep. like literally people jump right out of that. Very yeah. smart people. And this is what I want to, to dive in a little bit more on because, you know, even with my neighbors, incredibly, you know, college educated, all the good things. So many of my friends and colleagues, same thing. They're very intelligent individuals, very logic, logical. But when you give a logical person a bad piece of data backed by pseudoscience, Mm -hmm. from maybe a credible source that they believe, they can start to use their intelligence to rationalize that bad decision, to rationalize yes. something that is totally ridiculous. Yeah, and our brains don't rationalize honestly. When we go back in time and try to rationalize why something happened, you're just making up reasons, generally speaking, from a, from a brain science point of view. And so, <laughs> I've seen more people than ever, very intelligent people, just follow the line, you know, follow the railroad tracks wherever they may be going. And one, there, there are a few psychological factors at play. One of them is once you make a decision that goes down a certain road, you want to stay consistent from a psychological and behavioral point of view. And so it's very hard to deviate from a call that you've made and then say, oh, you know, halfway down the line, I was wrong. Sorry, I'm going to go over here instead. Very hard to do for all of us, whether we realize it or not. Usually this happens with our blinders on. And so another thing that's interesting is, is the people who are friends of mine who have government jobs uh, or, or their paycheck is coming from somewhere that has more heavy handed dictates, they're less likely to think freely. I've noticed they're less likely to speak freely about whether it's the state of the environment and the conversation about pollution versus CO2 versus, you know, and all the different factors at play. No, no, no. This is my narrative. This is what I'm following. We can't really talk about it. And if you say anything outside of it, then I'm going to jump on you like an attack dog or something. That type of reaction I've seen more than ever. Uh, but I, I, you know, I could see why it's happening. And I have, some amount of sympathy and empathy for the, like I've worked with the federal government. That's, that's partially how I paid off my loans after college. And you can't speak as freely when someone's your boss and you know that they have a certain way of thinking and your way of thinking doesn't jive with that. So we're seeing this just play out, uh, between these camps, almost between these different bubbles of reality and, and being up here in, in the mountains, it's been really interesting because a lot of these people are, you know, across the old 60, 70, 80 years old mountain folk and like trying to just get them to do anything would be almost impossible because they came out here to avoid government dictates and to avoid all of that nonsense. And so it's been interesting seeing some people's reaction to all of this and honestly how well a lot of them have handled it the ones who have been able to just focus on their own internal worlds focus on improving their own relationships and their own lives 
as opposed to those who are trying to all of a sudden just take this this torch of justice and just run around being like, okay, what what are we fighting for? And oh, we'll go over here and we'll attack this. This guy needs to be canceled and then go over here and and no, the climate matters, but not this way, only this way. Pollution, you know. And so if you find that you're just following these things or you have that reaction where you're like an attack dog, but you haven't thought it through, like it's not coming from your conscious thought, just try to take a step back and a deep breath and be like, whoa, where is this? coming from really examine. I think it's a good time to examine all of your beliefs. One of the things that's done for me, even being, you know, relatively speaking, well educated, like going to good schools and doing well there or whatever. A lot of that was indoctrination. A lot of that stuff I learned like you and you Hold know, up, learning about Abel, nutrition let's or whatever. Let's not just it's say not whatever. True. Let's not say whatever. You went to Dartmouth, <laughs> Valley Victorian of the class. You are a smart son of them. You're, but that's, you're just saying something so important and I want you to continue. The, the system that you're smart in, it's a system. Yes. So continue it on. It's a system with rules and it's a system with agreed upon histories and narratives. And in the past, like one of the things I, I did love about going to, especially at like an Ivy League college, was going to school with people who were super open minded and and not really set on their ide- ideas, ideals and dogma or religion or, or sexuality or whatever it was like people were very open-minded and that has changed even in the kids who you know like going back and visiting the schools now that's not like that you're not allowed to talk about things you're not allowed to sing certain songs you're not allowed to do comedy and for me as a artist as, as someone who creates i know how stifling that is from a psychological direction to try to squelch who you are to try to squelch your own ability to think freely or say to ask a question. I know you noticed in the past year or so, you're not allowed to ask questions anymore, which is a big problem. It's a big problem because anything, especially if it's supposed to be science that cannot withstand scrutiny is toast. It's useless. And so if you, if you see that, that scrutiny is not allowed, that whatever is being held up as the answer I think should come under suspicion. Yeah, blatantly, blatantly. Man, that's Blatant. so powerful. So powerful. Such a just very basic insight about science. Like if we can't ask questions and debate and have constructive conversations, just like here's the net narrative, here's the message, this is what we've concluded, end of story. And the funny thing is so many of these things that have transpired over the past year plus, this is what I do. I'm a research scientist, former clinician. I've been in this space for 20 years. It's like breathing to me to analyze data. And so I find that the majority of the data says something else, not even a little bit. The majority of the data says something else. Let's talk about this. But for some folks, it's just, it's too much to handle because, and I think that this is another big reason behind it, is that we still wanna have this hope that the government is looking out for our best interests. We wanna have this hope that we're not being lied to when we turn on the television. But here's the truth. When you turn that television on, you're being inundated with messages of how you're inadequate. You're being inundated with messages for you to buy the next latest, greatest, hottest drug so that you can get this result of treating a symptom that's related to something you caused by your diet and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You're being inundated with messages to keep you in fear. They've said it themselves. That's what it's designed to do. So suddenly to believe that they're looking out for your best interests it's, it's so far from the truth. It's like, but this is the beautiful part. We can't just 
brush it under the table. And I think we can have a tendency to do that. You know, yeah. just like I have this, there's this artist, this uh, rapper named Mystical. He, he says something along the lines of like, if you're going to be all the way down with me, be, be down with me or get from around me. All yeah. right. Yeah. And so like we can be like that. We can have a tendency, but we, we want to check ourselves and remember that people just want to be happy. They want to be healthy. They want to feel safe. But the way that we're going about that, oftentimes, again, it's being taught to us by folks who don't necessarily have our best interests at heart. Yeah. So we've got to have a little bit more compassion and empathy for folks who are bandwagoning some of these ridiculous ideas that are out there and just trust. So for myself, I know that what's likely going to happen, and I talked about this at the very beginning, once these things continue to transpire that they're not effective, right? So we've got I'm talking the majority of the data demonstrating how lockdowns are not effective. The majority right. of data demonstrating how fill in the blank is not effective. We've got yeah. this data, but the folks who put those mandates in place, they're not going to just step back and say, oh, I'm sorry, we, you know, we were wrong. They're right. gonna say, double Ever. down on it, right? Yes. I know that one mask didn't work, put three on. That's, yep. how we, that's how we flatten the curve. This shit has gotten so curvy, you know, like it just keeps getting more curvy. It's yeah. not actually fixing the underlying issue. So, yeah. Man. And it's interesting how like tuberculosis just doesn't matter at all. Totally cool across the border, you know, like all of these other problems that on a, on a worldwide scale are extreme, like hunger, people dying of starvation, people dying of all of the disease that's associated with and all the breakdown that's associated with carrying extra weight or metabolic dysfunction. These things are very, very well known, but not allowed to be discussed and, you know, buried in the conversation. So it's and to your point earlier, I think, yeah, a lot of people just keep following the line because the worldview that the government is here to help, even if it violates history, <laughs> is a comforting worldview that many of us are conditioned to be raised in, forced to be raised in, in, in many cases, and it's really hard to break out of that. You might lose relationships. You you will get you know attacked from one direction ideologically or or whatever for being the weirdo or being the conspiracy theorist or all these different like labels that they'll throw at anyone who just isn't following all the lemmings off the cliff. <laughs> That's something that you you have to be aware of. But once you are willing to make that change in worldview, that Oh, it's on me to have right. my health. It's not on the government. It's not on this doctor. It's it's really it's on me. And I'm not saying me as able. I'm saying just it's on you. <laughs> if you want your health, the government barely matters. Your doctor doesn't matter if you're not willing to follow that path, you know. And so uh, I think it's it's really a great example of a time where we have to just take a step back and say, <laughs> okay. It's on me. <laughs> it's on me. What am I going to do? But also is is a pill or a jab or a diagnosis and identity that comes along with that going to solve all my problems? Is that going to lead to healing or not? Is that going to lead to lead to lifelong health and longevity? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think a lot, a lot of these answers that come from the Western medical establishment are, are based on healing. They're based on profit. And that's, you know, anyone who doesn't think that's true, just watch The Fugitive. Harrison Ford is great. How does how do people forget about all these, you know, just like totally laid out uh, narratives of what pharmaceutical companies do um, 
squandering our trust, squandering our health, taking hundreds of millions of dollars in government contracts for drugs that they know don't work. If you do a little bit of digging, I would encourage you, don't don't dig on the stuff that's coming out today. Who knows how true any of that is? But look a little bit back in time. And if you can pick up a few books, just the history of or the context of these different worlds of nutrition, of the financial system. Don't try to learn from uh, websites, but do follow people like Sean. Go out and find like real people who are showing up doing the work and trying to bring you perspective and context and and hopefully serve the world to help guide us in a, to a place that's a little bit better than what's being offered. Because what's being offered, I will not settle for. I never will. I mean, it's one of the reasons I moved out to the boonies too, because nature rules here, not some technocrat or like Zuckerberg doesn't get to come out here on our hikes with us, you know, and and neither do the politicians. The local sheriff has priority over them here. And that's, I don't know, maybe that's the world we're going back to. I think there's an optimistic way to look at this and, and that's going to be grassroots. I think it's going to be your local community and, and trying to build strong teams around you. Yeah. I love that. So powerful. So powerful. If you're worried about, because I know a lot of folks feel the same way, about the way that our society is going right now. Again, it's still ripe with opportunities and things really change, honestly, for the majority of folks when it becomes self-evident, when it becomes the norm. So yeah. even though folks that are in, you know, on the, on the media or in a position of, of, of authority, quote authority, telling you that things are a certain way, even if they're still hesitant to tell the truth or to be yeah. honest about the outcome, like just look at what's happened. Like this, I don't even have to make this up. Nothing yeah. has worked. Everything yeah. just continues to get worse every step of the way. But yet it's just like, oh, you know, trust the trust the science. That's not science. That's not no. science works. And so when things become self-evident or better yet becomes the norm. So people are talking about this new normal. We don't want unnatural to be normal. We can create no. a new normal where health is the norm, where, where yes. community is the norm. And so when these things become self-evident, so I mentioned, you know, like going, instead of them admitting, hey, this thing didn't work, the majority randomized controlled trials, gold standard of clinical evidence where we have a specific implement and a specific outcome demonstrating how masks are not effective from everywhere from the BMJ to international uh, nurses study. And somebody, well, actually not somebody, some bodies, lots of folks have been sending me the most recent one. This just came out from researcher at Stanford University, again, one of our most prestigious institutions, this was published in Medical Hypothesis, and I'll put this in the show notes for everybody. Title of the study, Face Mask in the COVID-19 Era. And here's what he concluded. There's this, just a snippet, snippet. Efficacy with face mask is severely lacking. Adverse physiological, psychological, and health effects from wearing fa- face masks are well established. The data exists. These things are counter-narrative though. You know, and these are all things that, again, way back in the day, back a year ago, I was sharing this data. And now somebody who's got, they got a little bit of scientific weight behind them. It's published in a peer-reviewed journal. I have a very strong feeling that he got tapped in somewhere with some of the data that I've put out there. And talking about this big issue here, which is not getting talked about, and I want to ask you about the psychological ramifications. Yes. Right? So, for instance... The human, with children, for example, there is a tremendous amount of mental and social development, the the social brain. You know, if you Mm -hmm. look at the work of Dr. Daniel Goleman and really honing in on the social brain, it is like, 
tapping with the activity trying to develop, especially in those elementary school years, middle school, and being able to see faces and to relate with people, to communicate, to get that subtle nonverbal feedback is critical for the development of our brains. Should we consider just a little bit when we're having engagements for our children for them to be able to do that? Does the potential damage outweigh the potential help? So let's talk a little bit about that, the psychological aspect of what's happening right now, not just with, you know, the, the facial coverings, but just with the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess let's start with the facial coverings because some something that's required to be put on your bodily person is an invasion of our bodily space, you know, from from personal sovereignty point of view. And if you look at children, they'll do what they're told, but it does affect them. And when you look at, at psychology and the way that the, the brain functions, obscuring part of the face is something that's used widely in media, in movies. Think of Shredder, Bane, um, pretty much all the Foot Clan and just like the evil little minions in pretty much every little movie that you ever watched as a kid, all the cartoons, like, of course there are exceptions, but the good guy does not cover his face up for the most part. He's right. He's doing the opposite. Batman only shows that part of his face from a psychological perspective, though, covering any part of the face is, uh, intimidating because it's obscuring information and maybe obscuring identity. And so wired into all of us, uh, is is that response whether we're kids or not and if you look at something like imagine coming up to a to a guard dog a really intimidating giant dog if you're covering up your face and all it sees is your eyes you're i might not walk up to that dog in the same way that it would that i would if it could see my whole face and my vibe um you you can see the narrowing of the eyes right like when when an animal doesn't trust you and this is happening to all of us when we see anyone masked up, because another thing it does is raises raises the alarms. When you see people with masks on, something's wrong. The air is is polluted. There's there's something horrible. You know, there's a pandemic. So just from a psychological perspective, we see this or we're in the hospital, right? Like a big accident has happened. So we see this and like, OK, already we're on alert. But then even more from like a, a mirroring and mirror neuron point of view with kids mm. one of the things that they're doing is soaking up information they're soaking up what is it like to interact with other uh, objects and then other beings and do those beings have sovereignty do they have a soul uh, these are questions that are kind of running throughout little kids heads and if their face if all the faces of, of their friends are covered up and they're having a conversation and they can't see their friends smiling when they smile or, you know, kind of doing a little, these micro expressions, if they can't see that back and forth, then development is stunted in the same way that if you just cut out half the words from the English language, we wouldn't be able to speak half the language or, or maybe the entire language would be broken. And so that's kind of the, ex the giant experiment that's been happening all around us. And it, it, you know, crushes me that it's happening to a lot of, a lot of kids, the lockdowns, uh, where science and research really does not support locking down healthy people, nor masking them, nor uh, medicating 
healthy people. You know, that's right. not generally something that's that's hap- that's happened on a regular basis and had good effects down the line. So if we're just if this is the new normal, uh, it's not a good one. And it's not one that I will ever accept. You know, like we don't have kids yet, but my wife and I have conversations we'd like to. And uh, this just isn't the world, you know, like so I, th- I think we will see kind of alternative communities or, or different places, different locations will handle this in a completely different way. And if you do have the option of just getting in with someone in your or in your local community uh, or if there's a way to to move to a place where, you, where you've always really wanted to go and you kind of have the option of maybe making that call in the next couple of years to raise kids, I think uh, what really matters is the moments that those kids are at home hanging out with their friends, hanging out with their family, with grandma, who's not wearing a mask and everyone's hugging. You know, when we go to birthdays and house parties around here with all of our friends, no one's wearing masks. We're all hugging. We're all being humans together. And that's what will really allow us to be humans is some element of that. Yes, there definitely needs to be some element of caution too, especially if the threat is real. That's debatable. If you look at the data, you know, the story has stayed the same, but the data did not follow the story. We sh- we should have had hundreds of millions of people dead by now. You know, like half the planet should have been dead by now, according to much of the sheer fear mongering that came in at the beginning of this to force everyone to wear masks, to force their kids to wear masks, to force everyone to ignore their health, fatten up, lock themselves inside, and then isolate themselves. And it's so interesting the choice of wording too, how it's social isolation which is literally used as a torture tactic for our worst prisoners. (laughs) And yet we've done this to all of our children, to all of ourselves, to all of our families. And uh, that that is some element of psychological trauma, whether it's torture or not, I guess, is an element of intention or, or that doesn't even matter. But it is trauma for all of us. And every time we see someone in a mask, there's some element of trauma there in the same way that when I lost everything in an apartment fire 12 years ago, the sirens, every time I heard a siren after that for a few weeks, I would start shaking. You know, that happens to you after trauma. We're all there. We're all collectively traumatized from a variety of different directions. And so it's important to acknowledge that, process it, deal with it, and then take more responsibility over your own life. And it doesn't mean always going against whatever the government says. Sometimes they do the right thing by accident. I think, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For the most part, take it on yourself and, and, and try to responsibly counteract whatever is happening in culture, whether it's to your family or your friends, counteract that with a good solid hug and some quality time with people, people you love. Oh man, I love that so much. You know, this is, you just mentioned something when you mentioned those sirens and it just connected to this. Now we have a label for it, PTSD. Mm-hmm. And the, the factual situation is, here in the United States, we're going to have a couple hundred million people with PTSD yeah. from this who are yep. who are not, they, they might believe that they're moving through the world and moving beyond this, but it's linked up so deeply in their psychology that it's going to, it's potentially going to stay with them for the rest of their lives if we don't have some healing take place, which fortunately I do believe in miracles, but we're going to need a miracle. But yeah. one of the things that you just mentioned as well is all of these different things that have taken place, they've led to worse health outcomes. And that's what right. we would have known this coming into it. Because again, if you have any level of understanding of real health, biology, psychology, you could see this coming from a mile away. And so now we've got studies showing this. Unfortunately, we have to have studies to show what we already know, which is if anybody wants to, and we'll put it for the show in the show notes for everybody, 
definitely check out the episode we did analyzing all the psychosomatic effects of COVID-19. Or if you could just go to Google and Dr. Google type in uh, psychosomatic and COVID-19. You can look at some of the studies yourself and see that this, the way that we've isolated has led to higher rates of severe infections. The way that we've uh, created more stress and fear. These things inherently suppress and damage the function of our immune system. And some of these studies are showing how, you know, just our perception of fear and just being inundated by the media and watching that ticker is creating this inflammatory response in our body, these inflammatory cytokines. Coupled with this, quote, cytokine storm that's manifesting in relationship to this virus, what do you think is going to happen? Worse health outcomes. So we're wondering why the numbers, why have more people passed away this year? Is it strictly from this thing or is it, or is it in addition to the way that we've handled it? Because, and here's another big piece. And just for folks, if they haven't, hap for whatever reason, they're just happening upon this conversation for the first time. They don't see all the, the data that we shared uh, regarding masks. This is not a, a bash on that. I, being a scientist, I came into it just expecting them to be effective. I wanted them to be effective. Sure. But just going and looking at the data and we had randomized controlled trials already finding that they weren't effective in clinical setting. But then mm -hmm. the argument was, well, we haven't seen it done in a population yet. Well, this was the Danish study and this was published in the Annals of Internal Medicine. They did a population study. Yep. They had a, about 3000 participants. They gave some masks, a bunch of different ones to keep them changing, keep them rotating. That's another big argument. Well, they get nasty. Mm -hmm. And then they have folks who didn't wear a mask. After they compiled all the data, the folks who got an infection, a confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection, who were masked, versus folks who didn't wear a mask, the difference in the in the whole population study was 0.3%. Not 3%, not 30%, 0.3%. But here's the thing about me, because I actually go and dig deeper. There were, there were other subsets of each of these studies because there's, for me, uh, comes up, well, what about accuracy of wearing the mask properly? You know, all these different things. Yeah. They had a subgroup. You can't touch it. You cannot touch it. <laughs> they had a subgroup who strictly adhered to the mask mandates as put forth versus folks who didn't wear a mask. And in that subgroup who did everything right, the difference in infection rate was 0.1%. All right. So now, now the study comes out and instead of folks acknowledging this, unfortunately, who've already bought into the narrative, they say, well, this study has this problem and that problem. I thought you said there wasn't a population study. We have one now. Pay attention to it. Just acknowledge that it exists. And last thing yeah. I want to mention, just in case folks are, are jumping into this for the first time, because for me also, it's just like, well, if it, what's the big deal? Just wear it anyways. Um, this study was published in Antimicrobial Resistance and Infection Control, and they recruited healthcare workers to wear N95 masks, which do have some efficacy in this regard, mm -hmm. but they cannot be worn intermittently. And so what they discovered was that wearing the N95 mask on their work shift reduced their normal volume of air displacement between inhalation and exhalation by 23%, reduced wow. the volume of gas inhaled specifically from, uh, specifically from their lungs. Each minute was reduced by 26%. Their volume of overall oxygen consumption was reduced by 14%, and the ability to expire carbon dioxide was reduced by 18%. Now, I'm just like, okay, well, this must be a long work day. No, this happened in 15 minutes of wearing wow. the mask. We have to use a simple cost-benefit analysis and see, is this hurting us and creating potentially higher rates of not just infection from SARS-CoV-2, but other uh, infectious diseases and or chronic diseases. And or if we're talking about inability, you know, if we're talking about uh, the inability to expire carbon dioxide, 
We're talking potential lung damage, heart yeah. damage. This is not a small thing. We need to no. have this conversation about all these pieces. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I remember when I first got into biohacking, I got this mask that simulated living at altitude, like altitude training, right? So it was like, it restricted your breathing. You put this mask over your face and you go off for a run. And I used it a couple of times and it was the worst experience. Now I live at altitude. It's great. Like it was hard to adapt, but like, that's a way better option. And the idea that everyone just kind of, uh, tosses aside any sort of conversation about, well, could the masks actually be doing something bad at the same time that they might be doing something good? No, no, no. We can't talk about that. Uh, even if it is a Petri dish, you know, that's like you're putting a sock on your face, touching the masks, the breathing in polyester fibers and plastics on a daily basis, you know, like these things, you can pretend that they don't matter and we can be disallowed from ever talking about them, <laughs> but they still matter. In reality, it will play out. And I think a lot of people will will look and feel silly in, in the years looking at this in retrospect, because not that everyone was swindled or that it's all just, you know, made up. But a large portion of this has been extremely mismanaged, I would I would argue, from day zero, from day <laughs> whatever, the whole time. Uh, it's been hard to find any good decisions that have affected us as people in a positive way this entire time, yet our personal freedom, liberty has been infringed upon to such a large degree that it's separating us from our families, our children, our communities, preventing us from traveling. Thankfully, a lot of that is lightening up, but uh, I really, I will fight hard to make sure that this doesn't happen again on like a regular pattern and basis. And if they have to scrub yeah. us from the internet, like they'll try again, but we're still going to keep on talking about it and, and, and try to fight for what it means to, to be human and have healthy families and communities. And there's just, there's no way that fear 90 plus percent of the time can drive a positive future for us. So we have to build something different. That's a fact. That's a fact. I feel the exact same. You know it. You know yeah, it. You see, how, <laughs> you see how we show up for these things. It's not a surprise. And I'm so grateful for this experience because we get to really see who's about that life for real. Right. You know, a lot of folks who are into this um, domain of real health and wellness, just basic human tenets that our genes expect us to do, that we talk about on this platform. And But when it really boiled down to it, they abandoned ship. Or they're mm -hmm. like, well, I, you know, I, I, I want to say this thing, but I'm afraid. This is not the time to be afraid. Well, you could be afraid. Let's be clear. Yeah. You could be afraid, but this is the, not the time to hold your tongue. This is yes. a time to stand up for what you believe, because we're literally writing the the future for our for our children, for our yeah. grandchildren. It's this time right now in human history is one of the most important times, and so our actions are required. And I would say that. One of the weirdest and creepiest parts of this whole thing has, yes, some of these these things have been mandates and like you can't ignore them. Like masks was one of them for depending on your state. But most of this stuff has been optional, right? It's like they say that you can't do things, but you actually can like no traveling. But like my buddy came and visited a bunch of times and it was totally fine for him. Like he had no problems <laughs> and you you have to wear masks, but you don't even in our own county because there are like almost no cases here, let alone deaths here. Uh, they, uh, the Colorado governor said that you don't have to wear masks in this county. 
but you do because they're still enforcing it, even though they're not. And so that whole weird yes and no herky jerky thing is very unsettling for us psychologically. Know that you're there and know that you can't trust the people who are doing that to you. <laughs> I, would, mm. I would argue. Facts, facts. And we talked about this before we got started. One of the greatest forms of manipulation is when you can get other folks to do the, the work for you, do the manipulation yes. for you. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have the mandate anymore if you get the culture to change in a way that yes. they prop up this thing, you know? And so, so that's it, what I, I talked about. Know that it's optional. Try to make it, try to see where it's optional in your own life and go back to your normal that you want. Precisely. And just a little bit of a hair going back, when you mentioned the altitude training, wearing that mask, and then it being different once you were there in nature, that's yeah. the difference. That yeah. is the difference is that and this was published by the CDC, actually. And this was also, and again, we'll put all this in the show notes for everybody. CDC study published in Annals of Work Exposure and Health revealed that by wearing a mask, the highly thermosensitive nature of the human face and breathing pathways being inhibited lead to increased anxiety, elevated mm -hmm. stress hormones, false suffocation alarm in the central nervous system, and panic attacks. Yes. The mask is the issue. It's not, it's not the altitude. It's, mm -hmm. we can get adjusted to that, but having that mask on our face, the data exists. And if it, if it worked, I'd be, I'd be the biggest, I'd have on totally. a mask in my interviews. I would too. Yeah. I'd have a, I'd have literally, I have a mask on my face and one around my nether right, regions right. as well. <laughs> I'd wear case. two masks just in case, <laughs> protect everything, you know, but it's just not the case, you know? So yeah. I want to ask you about some more of the good stuff that we can do, because obviously there's a lot of of doom and gloom that we can be tuned into. And what I love about your story and where you come from, like, you know, again, like you're an incredibly intelligent, um, you know, going through the traditional process of education, thriving in that, thriving in the mediums that you've jumped into, but music is a big part of your life. And music is a big part of all of our lives. It's like the soundtrack to this experience. So can, let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits there. Like, I think that even that medium, of music has been used for many people right now as a place of solace. For so let's sure. talk about some of the benefits we can extract from music. Yeah, I, I would say it doesn't have to be overly complicated, but we all know that music is an extremely important part of our, our lives and our culture. And it does regulate our physiology, which means that if you wanna reduce your stress, your heart rate, calm down, uh, there's music that will work for that. And generally speaking, it's gonna be music that you like. Um, but it's going to have, try to think of the, the, the beat as like your heartbeat as a pulse. And if it's, it's a slower type beat, more relaxed, that's going to be good for calming down. If you want to, like, I love putting on music as well. Like dragon force would get me through and like heavy metal would get me through like coding days and like writing stuff really fast. Um, but you can, so you can regulate your heartbeat. You can even train uh, some of the best runners have used music and the tempo within certain songs to train the, uh, when their feet are hitting the ground. So you can use it that way as well. But I would I would say from a psychological perspective, a lot of a lot of the reason musicians, including myself, rip on modern music, and that's even in the past like 20 or 30 years, modern music is because it's been debased and degraded from a lyrical and artistic perspective. And a lot of the equivalent of the lyrics or the messaging within those songs are junk food for your mind. Whether you realize it or not, if you're listening to something that's uh, 
that has words that are negative in them, where you're hearing things that are degrading from a sexual perspective over and over again, it's that same sort of conditioning, putting you into a lower brain state, a, a lower physiological state, a lower spiritual state, if some people want to explain it that way. But for me, I can definitely vouch from a personal experience when I cut out the music with the negative messaging, as much as it makes you feel like an old parent who's like cutting pieces out of the VHS tapes or whatever for their church. Uh, it's really important from your own psychological perspective because everything is a mantra. If you believe that mantras work and you believe in meditation or whatever, then does only that matter? Does it, do words only matter when you're using a mantra or does every single word you're ever exposed to and utter yourself, does all of that matter and just all of that condition us. I would argue it's it's the latter, that everything matters. We're always being conditioned. So if you're talking about music, go and explore music that um, is new on a regular basis. And one of the things that, that can really help from a brain perspective, especially if you're raising kids, is instead of listening to this these really cheesy hooks with the artificial beat where there's not a human involved in making any of the music, you know, for the most part, it's just kind of like pink, dunky, dunky, dunk, and someone kind of mumbles over it. That's that's from a brain perspective, low information music where there's only there's not that much there for your brain to do with it. Low information. Junk food music. Junk food music, yes. And but also there's the opposite of that, where uh, and this doesn't have to be cultural at all, but a lot of different cultures have extreme variability in what they're offering from an information perspective. So thinking about like rhythms from Africa and South America or harmony from Chopin or, or Debussy or some of these great uh, other artists who played piano and then listening to symphonies, but trying to go for a different mix of rhythms and and harmony is really great for your brain. It's something that's going to lift you up, but don't force yourself to listen to music that you don't like. There's no reason to do that. But when you do uh, want to get in the zone, one last tip is that you can put on, especially something without lyrics, uh, lyrics in a language that you understand can interfere with your your own thinking, your own tasks if you're working on words or writing. But if you listen to something without lyrics, that's just in instrumental or vibey, on repeat for a while, then that can help your brain get conditioned to go into the writing zone or go into the work zone or the workout zone or something like that. So don't be afraid to use music that you love to bump up your physiology. And if there are a few junk food songs that you like, that's okay. Like there, is, there are a few songs that are just, you know, and, and no part of the human experience should be forbidden, mm. I think, but some parts shouldn't be reinforced as heavily as they are in modern media, if that makes sense. Right. I love that. I love the analogy goes right with it. We don't want to make junk food the, the predominant thing. Yeah. But if you have something that's not as as healthy every now and then, it's all good. Keep it moving. It's all good. You know, this is so, so good, man. And I'm just going to share a secret with everybody. So when I do uh, a nice bit of my writing, I'll put on these epic movie soundtracks. Yes, you know, so dude, like, I do the same thing. <laughs> no way, no way. Epic movies, yeah. <laughs> yes, so we put on I, we put on epic movie soundtracks to play in the background. Without the lyrics, it's just this, the soundtrack from it's movies great. like Avatar or Lord of the Rings or whatever the case might be. And so that's so, we've got so many things in common. Let's talk about this. So first of all, we, we're, we have the same birthday right out of the gate. That's already yeah. weird enough. We're birthday Crazy. twins. <laughs> Second of all, 
we were probably the first people to like have like a number one health podcast with our icon of the podcast being these guys with their shirt off. Yep. Just yep. like, and I don't know about you, but I'm not the guy to just be walking around with my no. shirt off. Like it was just so, <laughs> Absolutely not. I didn't even pick it. I didn't pick the picture. My wife did. And I'm just like, babe, are you sure? She's like, yeah, we just want to show so that, you know, people know, you know what you're talking about. I was like, okay. Your wife did the same thing. Yep, Come thing. on, man. See, like now I'm getting the chills. All right. We also, I just found this out about you. I graduated in three years of high school. Really? Yeah. No way. It doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah. It's uh, we're practically the same person. <laughs> and so did, so, so did you. And you did it on just being, you know, smart. So I got kicked out for a year. And so I had to, you know, no. but anyways, <laughs> yes. But you know, same thing, you know, I high GPA, student advisory, all the things but, you know, in school, and I don't know about you, probably same thing. It just wasn't really that difficult. But yeah. it's really what's being what we can apply in the world. And you said this earlier, the college experience was good. There were some things there, but it was more yeah. about the people. It was more about was. the connections and the environments that I was in that heretofore I wouldn't have been able to interact with. So, yeah, yeah I think that's hitting on our similarities. Now we know that we also listen to epic movie soundtracks while we work. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's crazy, man. I listen to that while I'm working out sometimes, too. It's good for deadlifts, mm. I find. Oh, oh my gosh. Come on. Got to put that <laughs> Superman on. Well, man, listen, there's, you know, you're somebody that I could just talk to all day. I've got so many different things that, um, you know, I admire about you. You were really instrumental in kicking this off for me, you know, in the podcast medium. You know, we, we I think we started maybe doing this at the same time as far as yeah. this format of the show. But, you know, you was you built a platform and you invited me on and it just kind of helped take things to another level and, um, you know, spread my mission, which is very similar to your mission of just inspiring folks, getting people educated, getting people asking healthy questions, having healthy dialogue. So I appreciate you to the moon and back, man. Hey, likewise, I appreciate you, too. We need you more than ever, Sean. All right, my man. Well, listen, I received that. I can't let you go. I got to ask you one more question because we talked about this being a time truly in our lifetime for us to speak up, to share our perspective, to ask questions. But I think that a lot of folks are apprehensive because of a fear of, you know, somebody saying something negative back or getting pushed yeah. back or somebody not liking them or whatever the case might be. Humans, we do have this heavy tendency towards a negativity bias. So we, we latch on to that negative thing. You might have... 10 people who comment, nine of them say, you know, this is absolutely right. You know, this is, I understand. Like, I was wondering about that same thing. You know, I saw this study, but then that one person is like, your mother didn't even give birth to you. She shit you out on a rock and, you know, like the sun hatched you or whatever. Like, they'll say something crazy. I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but I, actually, I do know where I came from. My, my mom would say that to people. Uh, so people could say something negative and we're, we have that negativity bias. So how do you deal with that, you know, with getting any kind of like negative energy coming your way in a time when you feel it as, as a necessity for you to share your perspective, share your voice? How do you deal with that? Yeah, I, I love that question. I would encourage people, if you have the option to not have that conversation on social media, don't do it in a way where you, where you can't see and connect with people. Uh, even if it's just, you know, over a, a call or over a, you know, having some, something where the other person is there, I think is so important. And social media is just, 
who even knows if it's another person on the other end at at this point. And, and every time I log in and I do, I do log in. I want to, I want to be there for people. I want to connect with people who are trying to reach out and that sort of thing. But you do take arrows and we've seen each other take arrows and it's, it's not, it's not fun to see your friends or, or, or yourself get hit with some stuff that may even be fair sometimes, you know, that may be constructive criticism. Even that's hard enough. But when it's just hateful, uh, it's lazy, you know, it's, it's super lazy for me though. You know, it's interesting because I got used to this playing live shows as a musician. So I would have, you know, a few dozen or a few hundred or even a few thousand people in the crowd and hecklers were not respected. They were not the people who were in charge of the room. And I was the one with the microphone and I would heckle them back. And that was part of the game. And on social media, it's not like that. It's Mm -hmm. not constructive. It's not fun. It's not good natured usually. So do have these conversations, but have them strategically and don't get canceled. I mean, like it is, uh, I wouldn't, I try not to get canceled. I know either of us could be at any point because the, they keep moving the goalposts as far as that goes, but there is such thing as oversharing. There is such thing as the wrong, like I make a point to not say certain things on Facebook, for example, or Twitter, uh, that I would totally say to my wife or my best friend. And so be very aware of the circumstances of where you're having the conversation and try not to have virtual conversations, have real conversations with people, whether that's over a virtual connection, like we're doing right now or not doesn't even matter, but like, make sure the other human is there. If you do want to engage in this sort of deeper type thing, because it sucks to lose friends, offend people to, you know, be misinterpreted. And this is happening more than ever to everyone. So just try to humanize it as much as you can. And then when you do take those arrows, I don't know, (laughs) like it hurts every time, you know, almost sometimes it doesn't hurt almost every time it hurts though. But, uh, keep in mind that it's lazy. The heckler is usually the lazy one, unless they're funny. If it's funny, then it's great. But most of them are not funny. (laughs) Yeah, I love it, man. Thank you for humanizing this conversation, making it, bringing it back to what's real. And, you know, I I said a statement a little while ago that, and it's a mental health tip, stop arguing with people who are committed to misunderstanding you. Yes, exactly. It's very easy to do that right now. You know, so if you get hit with an arrow, there might be a tendency to try to pull the arrow out of your leg and launch it back at them. Right. It's first of all, it's gross. You know, you don't need to do that. <laughs> Just it's, I think we can also be lured into a trap because we think that people oh, yeah. are operating from a rational perspective, but oftentimes it's just not the the case. And so, you know, just- oh man, I got baited pretty hard, like especially during some of the rioting and, and the racial stuff. Being a white guy, I, they I would get baited into try, like they would try to get me to say things. Be careful of the online landscape, you know, and not this doesn't just happen to public figures anymore. This happens to everyone. So try not to get dragged into that. To your point, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just why do you keep dropping these jewels, man? <laughs> that it's so true. It's so true. You know, keep keep your head about you, but. I'm gonna restate this, that I do want everybody, if you feel a calling to express yourself, to share your voice, do that. This is the time to do it. Yes. But take Abel's advice of let's be strategic, be intelligent, be evidence-based, but also be, you know, heart-based because at the end of the day, we've gotta have a little bit more compassion for folks who are, I mean, best analogy, who are just trapped in, in in the matrix who are still just in a process of, you know, trying to figure stuff out and they want to be safe. They want to be happy. They want to feel good. 
have a little bit more patience and, and empathy for them. Know that they'll come around eventually. If it's only when the entire society has changed and health is the <laughs> norm and they're like, you know what? That was silly what we did, you know, making yeah. all the kids stay home for a year. That was crazy. Do you remember what we did? Even if it's to that point, it's all good. Have compassion, keep it moving. Abel, you're a superhero. I appreciate you so much, brother, and can't wait to do this again. Right on. Love you, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. Love you too. Abel James, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. So many nuggets of wisdom for us to really just ruminate on, to think about, and to employ in our lives. Obviously, this is a very complicated time in human history, but this is an opportunity for us to write where things move forward. And also, we're, we're literally creating history right now. And so I want us to be more empowered and to understand, yes, there's a lot of different things that might seem out of our control, but we can control the controllables. We can control our habits, we can control our thinking, and we can also control our ability to communicate, to express ourselves, to speak up, to have conversations. We have to remain human through all of this, and this is one of the big takeaways that I got from this conversation. And also understanding we do have a grave potential for a lot of PTSD from this experience, but, this is something we can change. It's not already written, but it's gonna take us to step up and stand up and to speak up. And I think that for me, one of the biggest places of emphasis is for our kids and helping to create healthy environments and encouraging and using this as an example to have more critical thinking, to ask questions, to question everything, to look at different sides of every equation, especially, especially when it comes down to determining our way of life, question things. Questions are really the answer, you know, and this is one of the things that the human brain is just, it's geared towards. It's literally designed to answer questions. It's a instinctive capacity. It's a mental reflex. It's called instinctive elaboration. When you pose the human mind a question, it seeks to find answers. And so the question is, what questions are you asking? And right now, we need to ask different questions. We need to ask big questions. We also need to ask small questions about what do we choose to do? And so I hope that this conversation sparked some, some different ideas, some new questions. And I highly encourage you to share this out with your friends and family. You can tag me, tag Abel as well. Tag us both on Instagram. And also, we're both on Twitter as well, Facebook, all that good stuff. So wherever you're hanging out, whatever your universe is, Give us a tag. Let us know what you thought about the episode. And also make sure to stay tuned because we've already kicked this off. We're officially dropping two episodes of the Model Health Show each and every week. All right, we're, good. we're just going to keep on delivering the goodness to help to not just counteract the negativity, not just counteract the, the pseudoscience, but to help us to catapult to another level. All right, because right now we're existing, we're in a really strange valley. You know, there's peaks and valleys of evolution of not just of human health, but also of human consciousness. And so we want to get to that next level. And sometimes it takes for things to go a little bit crazy to push us to change. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep on delivering that goodness. So every Monday and Wednesday or Sunday, Tuesday, depending on where you are in the world, we're going to be dropping a new episode for you. All right. And now listen, what we have coming up next, epic, 
epic episodes. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.